0: So we continue this series, God Moves, this Lenten series as we begin to turn the corner and look toward Holy Week. And today, as I was studying this week, I, I remembered the power of the our ability to smell. When we, when we smell something that reminds us it has a great power to bring back incredible memories some of those memories are really great memories and some of those are not so great memories so i'll just give you an example here i distinctly remember the smell of my little babies that are not so little anymore you, guys, you know that smell that intoxicating smell of the top of their head. Just breathe in and, and it's like get a get a hit and get a fix of that great baby smell. There's other smells that come with babies, not so great, but that one is awesome and then they hit puberty and they have other smells that are coming, but baby smells. Are incredible great memory on the other side I have a very distinct memory of the smell of my father's Ford Ranger vinyl seats in the heat of Florida and as I've shared before my father was and is an alcoholic So I have this distinct smell of this ranger with vinyl seats and bush beer on the floorboards. That was usually, he had been drinking on the way home from Clearwater to Newport Ritchie on the way home from work. Spilled on the floorboards with Cheetos. Not such a great memory, but I can smell it just as distinctly as I can remember the smell of my children's top of their heads. Or as a, as a youngster, I loved baseball. I played baseball all the way through high school and loved the game. But I re- remember that smell, that dusty smell of uh, fields that weren't watered in the summer and were extremely, extremely dusty and dirty with leather. That dusty leather smell of baseball in Florida in the summer. I love that smell bring back great memories of my childhood. And do y'all have memories y'all have scents that bring back memories to you? Can you can you kind of put yourself in one of those places? And think about what memory that strikes good, bad or or ugly? Memory uh, smells have have the great power to bring back incredible memories from Days gone past. In today's scripture, we're going to look at a scripture that has an overwhelming odor, an overwhelming scent that fills a space and directs us to remember the presence of God. Let me set the scene just a little bit. We are going to go off our path a little bit and into the Gospel of John. Today's reading is is a lectionary reading. The lectionary is a three-year cycle of readings throughout the, most of the Bible, not the entire Bible, but it hits, the, hits at least the highlights. And today is one of those days when we usually every year reflect on the Gospel of John. And, and what has happened here before we get to the Gospel of John in chapter 12, in chapter 11, we are at the home of Lazarus. And Jesus has been called to the home of Lazarus because Lazarus, his great friend, his best friend, has died. And Jesus has been called to the house, was called first to heal him, to come and, and to heal him while he's sick, but on his journey, Lazarus dies, and instead Jesus comes and raises Lazarus to life again. And it's amongst that miracle that then Jesus begins to get even more and more notoriety. And this great tension is filling the, the first century Israel. And these plots to kill Jesus, by people who are seeing their power drift away, they're beginning to plot Jesus, and the tension is getting to be very, very great. In this home also is... Lazarus shares with his sisters Mary and Martha. And you might remember this story of of Mary, the the dutiful one who likes to serve behind the scenes and cook and clean and serve people. That's part of her giftings. And then Mary, who likes to sit at the feet of Jesus and worship. And that's created some tension for Mary and Martha in the past. And, And it's no different here in this scene we're going to look at as well, that Mary and Martha are once in a tension where Mary is, is sitting down with the men at the table and worshiping Jesus, and Martha is back behind the scenes. And then there's this tension also be, between the act that Mary does with this perfume we're going to look at, and Judas and the other disciples wondering what this money, what this perfume could have been used for otherwise, other than this, and not quite understanding what is happening. So the scene has a great amount of tension. It's John chapter 12, beginning in the first verse, the first eight verses. Hear the word of God. Six days before Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, home of Lazarus, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. Lazarus and his sisters hosted a dinner for him. Martha served. And Lazarus was among those, joined him at the table. Then Mary took an extraordinary amount of almost three quarters of a pound of very expensive perfume made from pure nard. She anointed Jesus' feet with it, then wiped his feet dry with her hair. The house was filled with the aroma of perfume. Judas Iscariot, one of his disciples, the one who was about to betray him, complained, this perfume was worth a year's wages. Why wasn't it sold and money given to the poor? He said this not because he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief. He carried the money bag and, and would take what was in it. And then Jesus said to, to Lazarus and the others, leave her alone. This perfume was to be used in preparation for my burial and this is how she has used it you will always have the poor among you but you all won't always have me friends this is the word of god for the people of god thanks be to god and i realize in that that i've uh, forgotten that the uh, children can be dismissed to children's church if there's anyone greg you can't go to children's church okay. miss cindy is in the b rooms waiting for you my apologies It'd be a lot more fun than here. So back to the Gospel of John. They're in Bethany. It's about a mile and a half outside of Jerusalem. To the east side, you can see it here on this map. On this map, there we go. You can see the Temple Mount there kind of in the center. And then over in the right corner is Bethany about a mile and a half through the Kidron Valley. This is the, the path that Jesus is going to follow as he's approaching, getting ready for Palm Sunday and his entrance next Sunday that we'll talk about into Jerusalem. And this is the, the view from Bethany, about the view from Bethany in first century time. So they're there and they're overlooking the city. They can see what's happening. The city is is bustling getting ready for the Passover. Thousands and thousands of people are coming to celebrate this important feast in just six days. And, and Jesus comes to this, this town of Bethany, this, this home of Lazarus, who he just had raised from the dead. And, and his following is growing behind him and creating tension. And Lazarus and his the sisters, they host a dinner. And Mary's serving and, and and Lazarus is amongst the men reclining at the table, but Mary takes up a position right next to Jesus, and she she opens this jar, this nearly pound of perfume made from pure spikenard it was a it was a luxury from eastern India that was imported along the Roman roads. It was a luxury worth nearly a year's salary. And she uses it to anoint Jesus' feet. And then not only that, then, she takes down her hair, which was a big no-no for women of the first century. Once you are married, there there is no one other than your husband who is to see you with your hair down. It would be maybe the equivalent today of of uh, you know, perhaps some people have mentioned maybe a woman hiking her skirt up just almost to give you glimpses of things you shouldn't be seeing. It was really, really frowned upon. It was this Mary would be in any other place other than with Jesus would be exposing herself to be someone that she is not, but she's She's worshiping in such a way that she let her hair down in honor and worship to Jesus. And with that, then Judas Iscariot, the one who we know will betray Jesus in, in a couple days, comes and complains and says, well, you know, why, why are you wasting this money? We, we could have sold this and used the money and given it to the poor. That's just the front for for Judas. Judas doesn't really care about the poor. Judas was the treasurer of the group. He carried the money bag, and he would also kind of take a little bit here and there for his own. Judas wasn't really concerned at this point with the mission. Judas was finding a way to kind of get around what Jesus was doing because Jesus was not bringing in the kingdom like Judas would like him to do. Judas wanted him to be a zealot and overthrow the government. And Jesus is clearly not going to do that. So Judas is looking for an alternative group to pair himself up with. And Jesus says to Judas and to the others, this perfume was to be used in preparation of my burial. and, And that's exactly what Mary has done. And then this last very confusing statement, you'll always have the poor with you but I won't always be with you. Pretty obvious that we know Jesus won't be, but but what does that mean that the poor will always be there? So this perfume, this great amount of perfume, nearly a pound, I, I should have probably figured out how much that, I mean, a pound of perfume must be a great, huge, gigantic bottle, especially by our days of Expensive perfume. In those days, perfume would have been used for for burial preparation, for for preparing the body and and the smell that would come as the the body deteriorated in the tomb to help cover that smell. The body would be be covered with this to distract of the smell. And it was also used as an anointing for royalty. We, We see in the Old Testament often Where someone will take a great amount of perfume and pour it over the heads, or pour oil over the heads, and it will cover and drip down the entire body of those being anointed. And in this act that Mary is performing, she's doing both of those. She's readying Jesus for burial and also anointing him as king, as the Messiah who in a short week from now will ride into Jerusalem on a donkey to people crying and waving palms, crying out, Blessed is he who comes in the name of David. She's doing this great, amazing act. And then Jesus kind of has this cryptic saying about the poor, and it's it's greatly debated about what this might mean it's obvious he would only be here a little bit longer but but what does this idea about the poor mean some scholars believe that it's it's talking about judas and that judas is not really interested in serving the poor and saying because you've been skimming off of the top here out of the money bag we have not been able to serve the poor like we should have and and we will have the poor amongst us always because you are not really interested in helping the poor Judas on the other hand other scholars believe that the words mean a little bit something just tiny bit different that you should always have the poor around you caring for them that it's that it's an it's a, a teaching word to the disciples and to us as disciples that As part of our practice, as a part of our community, we should always have the poor around us. We won't always have Jesus, but we should always have the poor around us caring and and sharing our resources. Regardless of of what interpretation you might take about the poor comment, and the important part of what we're looking at today is the perfume. This perfume that was poured out as a sacrifice to Jesus. A year's worth of money, a great extravagant act amongst a room of people who didn't understand. The important part is the perfume that was poured out as a sacrifice by Mary. And I think that draws us to our question for today. The question for all of us, individually and, and communally as a, as a group, what are we willing to to give to Jesus What are we willing to give to Jesus If if we had a year's salary how would we use it how would you use it to give to Jesus If you had a year's worth of time if you had 40 hours a week times 52 or let's we even take a 2 week vacation times 50 you have 2,000 hours of a life of, of, for working, and at 2,000 hours, what would we do to give to Jesus this year? How would we use it? In those days, in this, this particular scene, it's marked by this great extravagant gift of this perfume and this anointing. In our days, it might be marked by uh, what does our bank account look like? How are we using our resources individually and even the bank account of the church? How are we using our resources as a group? And the other way in the 21st century how this marks for us is how is our time being used? If we were to look at our calendars, how are we using our time for the kingdom of God? Romans 12, Paul shares, I think, is a, is a, a good teaching point for us. And it almost reflects exactly on what Mary has done here in this gospel. Paul says, so brothers and sisters, because of God's great mercy, because of God's great love for us, God's great sacrifice for us, because of God's great mercies, I encourage you to present your bodies, to present your whole lives as a living sacrifice that is holy and pleasing to God. And Paul says, this is your appropriate priestly service. Presenting your whole entire self, your whole entire life to God. Our bank accounts, our calendars, everything. Paul goes on to say, don't be conformed to the patterns of this world but be transformed by the renewing of your minds. There's something extremely interesting in the Greek language here in the words, be transformed, that has stuck with me for years and years. The tense of this idea of be transformed means that you're being transformed now and continually. It's almost, if if we're going to put it in English, it's like be being transformed, this continuous transformation. Because our transformation as disciples of Christ is not something that happens in just a second, in just a, a blink of the eye. Our transformation happens continuously for the rest of our lives every single moment every single day be being transformed it's almost like this continuous circle that we're we're growing we're serving we're connecting we're worshiping we're be being transformed so that we can figure out what God's will is what is good and what is pleasing and what is mature. Paul sums it up well, and it's demonstrated in this act that Mary does at Jesus' feet. So what about us? How do do we help, help ourselves to figure out what we are willing to give Jesus individually and communally? As we try to figure that out, I think there's three things that can help us discern that. And, and it reflects the way that, that Mary loves in this instance. It shows us three things about the way that Mary's loving Jesus. First, Mary is loving Jesus with great extravagance. She withheld nothing years' worth of wages, nearly a pound of perfume that she gave to Jesus as a sacrifice. And not only that, but she did it it humbly, with great, great humility. This is used for, for preparing the bodies and for anointing royalty, and yet Mary did not find herself worthy enough other than to anoint the feet the dirty dusty smelly feet of a person who had traveled the roads all day she wasn't worthy to 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 anoint any other part of jesus she just wanted to sit at his feet and anoint him there and lastly this love is unselfconsciousness is filled with unselfconsciousness Mary is not one bit concerned about what is happening around her. She doesn't care that she's using this expensive amount of perfume. She doesn't care what Judas or the other disciples or other people present think. She doesn't care what, what Martha is thinking. She, she's totally not self-conscious at all. And not only that, then she lets down her hair, this, this extravagant act of worship. Mary would be the person over here sitting in the front row with hands raised, moving and dancing and singing at the top of her lungs, while most of us, the rest of us, the frozen chosen, me, myself included, are singing sheepishly along with the band. Mary might be the one that we might leave here going, Did you see that lady over there? She's a little wacko. But Mary didn't care. She was worshiping her God in the way that she wants to, the way she felt the Holy Spirit was leading her to. We learn about love that love is extravagant and it is humble. And it is not self-conscious about what others think, so again, for us, it's what are we willing to give to Jesus? How extravagant are we willing to be? How humble are we willing to be? How unself-conscious are we willing to be? can you Can you quite imagine a church or, or a community where people were willing to be giving of their time and talents and treasures extravagantly and humbly and without self-consciousness. With a giving that was reflected in how they lived their lives and how they spent their resources, how they used their resources. Friends, don't we want to be that kind of community, that kind of church that is giving extravagantly and humbly and without regard to what people are thinking about us. Again, as we close this season of Lent, as we turn our minds to start looking at Holy Week next Sunday, I ask you, I ask us, myself included, what are we willing to give to Jesus? Amen? We can give him this microphone. That's one thing we can give him. <laughs> this Sunday is is customarily for us the first Sunday we celebrate the sacrament of Holy Communion, and this is what Jesus gave to us. This was Jesus' sacrifice for us, his extravagant, humble, and unselfconscious gift to us of dying for my sin and for your sin. You may remember the story. In just a few short days from the time we were just looking at in Lazarus' home, Jesus was meeting with his friends, his disciples, in the upper room in Jerusalem, and and they're reclining at the dinner table much in the same way they were in this scripture. And Jesus takes the bread and he breaks the bread. He says, this is my body given for you. Take it and eat and do so in remembrance of me. Likewise, he took the cup and he says, this is the cup of the new covenant. This is my blood poured out for your sin and the sin of many. Take it and drink from it. Each time you do so, remember me. All honor and glory is yours, Almighty Father, now and forevermore. Amen. I want to invite those who are going to be serving the sacrament to come forward and prepare yourselves. And while they're doing that, I want to remind you that this is not the United Methodist table. This is not Grace's table. This is the Lord's table. And it is open to all, all who are seeking the help and love of Jesus the Christ. As you come, you'll come down these two center rows, and there'll be a station right in front of you. You'll come with open hands, and we ask that uh, you'll be given a piece of bread. You'll take that bread, and you'll dip it into the cup. And after you consume the elements, then I invite you to, to stand, or to, uh, you can participate in prayer at the altar rails. It's a, an excellent, wonderful way to pray. And uh, anybody else want to move around? <laughs> Does it make stay in here? Come right here. All right. Does that make you nervous? No. Not at all? Not at all. Okay. We're going to have a job opening for the director of youth ministries tomorrow. Um, I don't know where I was. Communion. Communion. This is a holy and special thing. This table is open to all of us. It's open to to those who come in laughter, those who come in friendship, those who come in sadness, those who come in celebration of great things that God is doing in their lives. This table is open to all. So friends, I invite you to come. We'll have a gluten-free station here in the center if you struggle with gluten. And As always, we use grape juice so as not to be a stumbling block for our friends who are 12-steppers. Friends, the table is set. The dinner is prepared. Come and be nourished by the love and sacrifice of Jesus the Christ. Amen. your your depth and your thickness around us encompassing us. The aroma of your love and sacrifice is a sweet, sweet smell. So Lord, help us to be watching and seeing where you're moving that we might join you in your love extravagantly and humbly And without self consciousness, to share your love with the entire world. Lord, lead us from this place to be the disciples you've called us to be. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Amen. Friends, remember.